0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce odyssey podcast I'm here with Stephen Jones from Vico who are a leading e-commerce platform um, helping thousands of sellers to sell across multiple platforms Um, Steve is here to have a chat about um, his system and how it can help sellers so um, Steve can you give us a bit of a brief background on Vico please how how long has it been around
1: yeah of course hi hi Trevor yeah no excited to get started I was listening to the um the, the last episode with Steve from Muddy Trowel. And yeah, glad, glad to be on distinguished, here. Distinguished company. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, so a background on Vico, of course. Uh, Vico was founded in 2013. So it's a, it's a relatively new company. Um, it's founded by a Welsh entrepreneur called Matt Warren. Uh, so Matt used to run a business called Dura Watches, which is like an online luxury watch retailer, the, the first one in the UK. Um and when he sold that business, he used the money that he raised to start Vico. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then, we've been we're backed financially by Tom Singh, the founder of New Look. Um, we raised a Series A uh, about a year and a half ago for about four million US dollars, uh, and that was led by Octopus Ventures, like a big venture capital firm in London. Um, they manage like I think about ten billion dollars worldwide, so they, they've got. Got a lot of investments, and they they chose to chose to back us. Um, yeah, since since then, it's kind of grown from from strength to strength. We've got about hundred team members uh, and four global offices. So we're we're headquartered oh, in Swansea. That's...
0: Swansea, so you're outside London, outside
1: the outside of well, the office
0: yeah. space,
1: Yeah, well, we've got um we've got an office hub in London, uh one in Kyrgyzstan, and one in Toronto, so that we've got team all over the world to do. Like, have you been out to Kyrgyzstan? I haven't been to Bishkek. No, oh, I've, been, I've been to uh, I've been to Texas. We did uh, start out like a small, you know, like a WeWork collaborative uh, workspace, like a shared workspace uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, about a year ago. But a year ago, and that was that was a really cool experience. But cool.
0: So tell me, what kind of how do you feel that I'm interested to hear how you think Vico fits in with with in the marketplace? So what kind of what kind of merchants do you do you look to recruit?
1: Yeah, um, so we we help. We're around 600, 650 businesses at the moment, uh, and they, they kind of vary. We know who we're, who we're not good for a lot of the time, uh, but we, we've got two kind of personas that, that we, really, we really help. So the, the first one we, we call internally the Trench Scaler. So they're someone who is in, in the trenches. They are an owner-operator of a, of a small e-commerce business. They're you know, just starting to fulfill things at scale. Their, their business is just growing to that you know they're not selling multi-channel for the first time like they've been doing it a little bit but they're processing between 500 and 5,000 orders per month say okay. uh, turnovers or revenue sorry is a like half a million a million a year that kind of ballpark so they're really starting to get an idea of what operating at scale looks like but they're they're struggling you know they're making mistakes they they want reliable operations and that's what they're aspiring so to. they're beginning to
0: feel the pain of basically multi of of, of, of Fulfilling lots of orders.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, e commerce is tough, isn't it? Like, you've got <laughs> it certainly is. <laughs> you've got so much to deal with, uh, you know, from sales channels and marketplaces. And then you've got shipping carriers on the other end and the in packages and stock and shipping. And there's a lot to deal with. And they're starting to really feel that pain. Um, so that's the first person that just bringing it all into one place just simplifies their life. Uh, but one person I spoke to recently in the US started using Vico she said she didn't have to hire an extra person and she was able to get her evenings back basically yeah. she, I mean I,
0: I certainly think with, with these kind of you know you, these kind of systems that you know they are I mean depending on how you look at them they're really you know, you know several hundred pounds a month they sell it for generally but I mean the amount of time you save is just phenomenal and just the accuracy with which you can do things yeah you and, couldn't do previously
1: you know I think a lot of merchants will would be able to relate to that as well she would she was sitting in front of her TV in the evenings with her evening meal, and she'd have uh, a barcode scanner at the side of her, and she'd be scanning packages and trying to work out how much stock she had of everything, and and it was literally it was all day. It just it did. <laughs> um, it, it was all day every day. So so we help those people simplify it, and then the second type of people we help, uh, we call internally the smart switcher. So there's someone who has been doing this for a bit. It's probably an e-commerce manager at this point, sometimes an owner still, but usually you've got an e-commerce department and that's someone who's looking for automation and they're looking for efficiency and they're fed up of their existing solution. And they're typically more than 5,000 orders a month, 5, 10, 15, 20,000 orders a month. And their revenue is then 5, six. 10 million a year or something
0: like that when i first started doing um doing e-commerce about 12 years ago there was a few platforms there was there was channel advisor there was follows a few other ones now there seem to be an endless number of platforms available (laughs) i'm surprised lots of them have not gone bust um why what is it that makes vico stand out why have you i mean it seems to me there's a few kind of leaving the the peloton a few kind of leaving the pack (laughs) What is it? Do you think that you guys are doing better than other people?
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's very, um, very competitive marketplace. There's been a lot of like movement in the space this year as well. A lot of like acquisitions and stuff, and big companies coming in and buying companies like Vico. Big, huge accounted platforms coming in and buying us. So yeah, there's a lot of um, a lot of competition to deal with. I, I think where Vico really differentiate ourselves is typically uh, in the shipping and fulfillment area of it so the the actual warehousing so if you're looking for really efficient warehouse processing um then then vico is typically where you would come as opposed to some of the competitors for the the handheld mobile devices um which are which are ours which we support so that that's pretty 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 key difference Um, yeah aside from that it's it's the the kind of intuitive nature of setting up vico so people are able to head to the vico website sign up for a free trial and set themselves up you know, it's not a, a four week or a 12 week or a six month or a 12 month implementation time right. is it
0: is it like a 30 day you pay is it like 30 day terms
1: uh, it's a, it's a 14 day free trial that you sign okay. up for and there's no there's no commitment on that you just sign up get your 14 days for free um, you can connect your own sales channels, connect your own shipping carriers, and, and it's all very straightforward. And, and what we're really investing in and trying to put our time into is having the product teach you how to use it. Mm-hmm. So as, as you go through the product, it'll flag little things to do with what you should be doing next and, and how you Because
0: so should... these, I mean, the, 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 I always feel quite sorry for... Companies like you guys, right? Because I think, well, it's a basically right, you know, you, you you it's a complicated problem. You've got lots of different channels, you've got lot, you know, lots of different channels you integrate with. You've got undoubtedly some of your customers are not that tech savvy. And you yourselves are integrating with systems which are far from perfect. So it must just be a constant race of trying to quit, you know, what do they call it? The red queen race, where you're just constantly running very fast to, to and standing still. While trying to improve
1: your product at the same time,
0: it must yeah. be very hard.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of development. I think what we've um, what we've really had to do over the last well, since I've been at Vico for sure. So this is the last kind of two and a half years or so um, has been really focus on what we're good at. There, there's a there's a massive temptation because there's so much opportunity because businesses can be so, as you've mentioned, so varied, so broad. They can do so many different things. There's a lot of temptation there to like go and play in this area and and go somewhere slightly different to where your your core is and and what we've really had to do is refocus on what it is that makes Vico good what we're good at and not try to be just another tool that offers that thing or that thing so do you consider yourselves to
0: be like an all-in-one system
1: uh no it's something I I personally feel quite strongly about actually because I think it's a bit of a bit of a cop-out it's a bit of an easy uh easy out for a salesperson to call it all in one um because there's so many things we don't do. So we're not an accounting platform. We're not a QuickBooks or a Zero, for example. You know, we're not going to take care of reconciling all of your accounts for you. Well, databases. well,
0: well kept away from that. <laughs> yeah. <100%. laughs> yeah uh, it's a complicated beast.
1: Yeah. It's not a point of sale solution. So if you have a physical store, we'd work with a partner like Shopify's point of sale system or, or Vend or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a help desk. So if, if you're a customer service team and you're looking to handle loads of customer tickets, uh, you'd be using something like Gorgeous instead or eDesk or, or one of those help desk solutions. So we're, we're quite focused on what it is that makes us good. Um,
0: so what do you call yourself? Because I always struggle to know. What, is it, a, is it a, an
1: e-commerce platform? Is it a total commerce platform? Is it what? what how would you sell yourselves? Um, if, well, inventory management system is a pretty good starting point.
0: It's a very boring uh, thing to say, uh, though. I don't know that, really, that really
1: covers it, though, does it? With these? Could you? <laughs> no, it doesn't. You, no. shipping warehousing yeah it's um it's e-commerce fulfillment really so okay. it's, it's everything to do with your your finished goods that you need to distribute wherever they need to go that's what Vico's aspiring to handle is, is your e-commerce fulfillment operations
0: so how do you obviously so you've got lots of different customers how do you actually actually balance the requirements of different customers and and decide where the you know where the Where you develop it. So I give I give you an example. I mean, I always I always feel with these platforms, they tend to be quite good at their kind of core things. So in the terms of the platform, you know, other platforms I've used, they tend to be really good at, say, for example, the 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 listing bit, Mm. but they tend to be less good at, say, reporting or these kind of nice to have kind of things. So how do you how do you know what to develop next?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, really good question. It's a really difficult part of of developing there you know, a software like this, for sure. Uh, yeah, I think that we, the, the the main theory behind what we do is that we want to develop the best thing for the most people. So out of our customer base, this next feature that we're assessing, you know, should we add this little bit to it? How many merchants is it going to help? And how important is it to their operations? So we we used to offer a listing tool, as you've described you know, We used to to list to various channels. But what we found is that we were kind of, trying to keep on par with what was available in the market and, and, and slightly lagging behind. And actually it was quite a poor listing tool. So what we've done is we've deprecated it. We've removed it from the system. It's not really, you can't, use it anymore um, because it was poor. So we'd rather partner with someone that's good at that instead of you having to make do and then cobble together these, these awful solutions and, yeah. and deal with the errors that come from them. So yeah, we've just, we focused it's a out on this job. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's
0: a thankless job. Because uh, yeah. I find that, I mean, it, it, I think you're right. I think that there's a lot of systems out there that do the listing and struggle with the listing, but don't do the back end, don't do the warehousing, don't do the, the reporting very well. Mm. And something I find, I mean, my experience with systems is, you know, you, you, you take on a new system and there's a bit of it that you find it it helps you, pushes you forward in some ways and pulls you back in others. Mm. So, you know, other systems we've used, I mean, we basically we very quickly got onto the platforms that we that that they supported but then we never got onto the platforms they didn't support because it's just so hard to do yeah and we never because the the like the reordering functionality wasn't there we found very, reordering very difficult and they didn't really integrate with other things mm-hmm. so yeah it must be I, I don't know I don't even know how you do it it must be difficult <laughs> I wouldn't know where to yeah. start
1: yeah it makes sense. you know there there are always little kind of extra but so wholesale is a good example like we work with a lot of omni-channel brands they've got a couple of uh, physical stores they sell on three or four different online channels and people that sell in that way will often have a little bit of wholesale as well so yeah it, it, it's hard to, We there is wholesale within vico to, to invoice wholesale customers and stuff but it's hard to know how much attention to put on it um with like bugs for example the general rule is that there are some things that people just need Vico to be able to do so print and shipping labels for example yes if there's a a bug that says you can't print Royal Mail Amazon shipping DHL like whatever it is you can't print those shipping labels that needs to be prioritized immediately because that's just the core of what Vico should be churning out day to day Um, and then there are some things which are more ancillary like wholesale for example uh, which Mm -hmm. is then it's a lower priority. It just it just has to be.
0: So what do you see? Okay, so you obviously get to see a lot of e-commerce merchants. Hmm. Um, uh, what do you think the the more you know what, what do you think the most successful ones do in this kind of in this you know ecosystem where you know everyone's competing against Amazon, everyone it's a it's a classic, you know, all against all kind of yeah. war. What what do you see in the merchants that are actually, you know, breaking out from the pack?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, Amazon enters an interest. Yeah, I think Amazon set the standard, don't they, really? Uh, It's something that we all have to deal with in the way that they prioritize their end customer and and how they put that end customer first. It's easy
0: easy to make money if you're Amazon if you're giving away other people's money. But don't get me started.
1: Yeah, we'll... uh, Don't get me started. Moving along quickly on that one. (laughs) But yeah, they they set the standard for things like fulfillment. You know, the area that I work in specifically, e-commerce fulfillment, they really are the the pinnacle. So the way they've got there is by relentlessly prioritizing customer experience, and and I, I genuinely believe that's what the best brands are doing. The the brands that come to us who are selling ten million a year online and have five or six physical stores and and are doing objectively very well for a small business based in the UK, making their products in the UK, they relentlessly prioritise the customer experience. That's what they really care about uh, is how, what is my customer experience at the end of the day, what reviews am I getting, how, you know, what feedback am I getting from my customers um, and everything else that they do follows on from that okay, if, do, yeah. do
0: you think also i mean other things i mean you know the, is it that are people who you know are develop you know the, are these people who have their own brands is it something that is it how important is say white labeling or or getting your own products made as opposed to being a reseller
1: hmm. yeah yeah we, we definitely work with both we work with brands and uh yeah resellers retailers um people who, who purchase and sell as purchased uh and and we've seen success in both Right there, there are people that will sell Nike and Adidas and, and whatever else uh, as as a part of their store, and then there are people who sell only their own products. and I suppose that that that's more about who you are as a person <laughs> than anything else. I think both of them can be successful, and both okay. of them can fail miserably. I don't think there's a there's a, there's a right or a wrong. Uh, and often businesses will do a mix of both. What about what
0: about marketplaces versus
1: websites? marketplaces and websites as in
0: people do you see do you you, how important do you think it is for people to, you know because you always get kind of fba brands that just sell on amazon how important do you think it is to have being like a omnichannel brand that sells everywhere or you know to some you know is it is it okay just to sell on marketplaces or okay to just sell on the website
1: yeah i obviously i think both are okay um (laughs) don't be so reasonable come on have an opinion you know most most people would aspire to have their own their own client base uh you know the business i worked for before vico i I used to work at a an aromatherapy brand uh with about 20 25 million revenue um we sold across about 15 20 different channels and marketplaces and the the constant battle that we had is that 80 percent of our revenue came from amazon So we didn't feel like they were our customers. We felt like they were Amazon's customers. They're not. They're not your customers. Absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much branding you put on the bottle or whatever it is. It's still an Amazon customer. So people would always aspire to have access to their own base of customers that they can market to and people whose Attention they have in their own social media platform or whatever it is. However, you're keeping these people's attention. So I think that's obviously the the goal and the margins are there. Ultimately, you don't have to pay the Amazon marketplace fees or FBA pack and dispatch fees, long term storage. Like you can, yeah. you're able to set up your own thing. You're in control. You get to decide what products you sell. What do you,
0: what do you and, think about what do you think about people having no in stores then? I mean, do you see? Have you got you know successful you know, because in in, in, in the kind of the the area I'm in, you know, there's like a hierarchy. There's, you know, it starts off at the top, you've got the multiples, you know, the John Lewis's of the world. And then down from that, you've got people who've got, you know, like I say, omni-channel sellers, got a store and they've got a website and then you've got website sellers and then you've got got, uh, marketplace sellers and then you've got people who just have a Facebook page and think that that makes them a a retailer. (laughs) Yeah. Do you see that, I mean, you know, obviously Shops are something out of fashion, but I mean, do you think that, do you think that shops are going to make a comeback? Do you think that, or is it just e-commerce all the way?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think in, in terms of, um, in terms of like a hierarchy, I think, I think it's, it's highly complicated, isn't it? Like, you know, do you do any B2B trade? Do you, do you do any wholesale and things like that? How does that affect your margin? I think at the end of the day, you're, the profit that you're left with is what, what should be the concern. Uh, that's the yeah. salary part of it. The revenue is just your own little kind of, fluffing up your ego if you're not making any money on it then that's it is
0: very, not, I know. It's, very easy. it's very easy to be busy in e-commerce and so much harder to make much harder to make any money
1: absolutely yeah i obviously would personally be rather be running a, a brand selling a million pounds worth of stuff a year at a, with a 15 percent EBITDA than have 10 million revenue and no money at the end of it so yeah. you know i think that it i i don't i don't have like a hierarchy like that in my head but i definitely well i, th- I think that's a part of I'd be curious to hear your opinion as well, Trevor, on what you think the, the, the trends are at the moment in e-commerce and what your predictions are for the, like the, the pandemic has really shaken things up, hasn't it? It's, it's been a big catalyst for change. And I think we've seen a lot of really, really big brands, really huge high street chains uh, crumble and, and, and be unwilling to adapt or unable to adapt to the kind of digital first world that we find ourselves in
0: i think i mean um, i do think i think that we together have created a beast and i mean like you know every every time because i mean we 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 had a store by hello baby had a store and uh, it was a storefront and what would happen is that people would come in and they would show room and then they would leave hmm. and it takes a lot of time up and but then what happens is is you know that happens a few times you close down your store and you don't reopen it and you know then there's nowhere that you can go and look at these things yeah so together as a community we 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 had this thing where we want to go and look at things and we can't do it anymore I mean I think that shops you go into shops and you um you know they 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 definitely have their place and I think if you can make it work alongside the other things I think it's a really good idea I mean it's 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 more difficult and I think that um you know it has you know from my own very limited point of view it had real staffing problems you Mm -hmm. know because you know my my e-commerce store will run at the weekend and we come in and we pack the stuff on monday and we have done nothing yeah whereas if i wanted to to have a store i'd have to hire two people all the time to go and sit in it absolutely and um so i think i mean i think that we're going to you know i think basically the shops the rent on shops is too high and the mm-hmm. leases are too long.
1: Mm-hmm. And that
0: meant that people like Top Shop couldn't get out quickly when they needed to fundamentally. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I think that there's no reason why shops can be successful. I think that the, the, the issue is to do with how much the, the value of the, the real estate on yeah. the high street has gone
1: down. Yeah, um, that's, that's kind of na- nail on the head for me, to be honest. I think the we're going to see bigger brands going online and competing more for the online real estate. And I think some of them are going to fail. Some of them are going to outright not understand how, the, how to provide an excellent online experience in the way they've previously provided an excellent in-store experience. And as they all go more and more online and more and more people work remotely, surely the commercial real estate in city centres and high streets, the rates are going to come down, rents are going to be, you know, maybe even government... Incentivizing um, people to be renting these these commercial properties well, are going to I mean, available. What I can tell I just, you is in,
0: in St. Albans, a not particularly big store at the wrong end of St. Albans was 10 grand a month, mm. right? And you just have to kind of think, well, okay, it's 10 grand a month. And then the rates on top of that is going to be, you know, two, three grand a month. And yeah. then you've got to think about, you know, so that's it's 100 grand a year. And then you've got to think about how many people am I going to have to get in the store every day to make a million pounds a year? And you think, wait a minute, that's quite a lot.
1: Yeah. And absolutely.
0: you know, and that's that's a cheap store at the wrong end of St. Albans High Street. Mm. And then you look at these, you know, these others in a really busy spot. They'd be like, you know, several multiples of that. I mean, it's just too much, really. You absolutely.
1: can't uh, yeah, that's not feasible. And I think what what we'll see is, is a mix of both. I I'd like to think we'll see the what it costs to run a store on a high street. We'll see that come down as people move out of city centres a little bit more and work more remotely. And I think what we'll also see is uh, small businesses being armed with intelligent tools and being able to make more out of their store, having a good point of sale system and being able to do things like shipping from store, for example, using yes. the store as a, as a distribution center and making the most out of your inventory. And suddenly it becomes your storefront no longer becomes the, uh, what you've described where you've got... Um, this is what my costs are to run this store. And this is how much physical sales I make every day. It becomes like a brand outlet as more and more people get online. It's so easy to sell online now. It's so easy. As you say, I I literally yesterday bought a a reusable kitchen sponge and I had a targeted advert to me on Facebook. They clearly know I buy this. (laughs) crap. And I looked at it and I was like, okay, this looks really cool. Cool. I'd like to see
0: your, I'd like to see what your Facebook (laughs) (laughs) targets you as the the kind of sucker that buys a reusable kitchen sponge.
1: They they know I buy rubbish, (laughs) clearly. They know me very well, obviously. But um, so I clicked on it and it was, it was like 18 quid or something. And I said, that looks a bit steep. And I typed it into Amazon and exactly the same thing with a different brand name was half the price. And it was obviously like a drop ship or something was targeting yeah. dads and they, they just set this up so i think it's so easy to sell online that you're going to have to differentiate yourself and the way you differentiate yourself is by building that credibility that trust that customer experience that so once they buy from you once you've got a repeat customer because you're providing them with an excellent experience and having a storefront is a part of that like mm. if you're well, able- that's what i
0: meant by my trevor's hierarchy of stores yeah. it's just like <laughs> a um um, so see I, I tell you what I think is going to happen. I think that in the long run, what there's brands are gonna uh, there's gonna be no one having stuff in stores, mm. right? So what's gonna happen is brands are gonna have to start paying retailers to hold their stuff in stores. Because I mean, you know, take what I my, you know, in, in the you know, what I know about is prams, and I know that 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 the see their, themselves as luxury items and they want to have their stuff showing in um, you know, in a in a certain number of places around the country where people can go and see it. Mm-hmm. And currently, what happens is they basically will, you know, d- retailers will have to buy that stock. But I think as it becomes less and less attractive to have stores, they're going to have to pay the retailer to have this thing on show. Mm. I think is and you know they're going to have to effectively it's smaller because that's effectively what happens in retail in in department stores. You have concessions within department stores. I think you start to have that within smaller stores as well. And that, you know, that way showrooming then becomes a viable, you know, less of a problem because, yeah. you know, you're getting paid to sh- display this thing.
1: Yeah, definitely, you know, ho- wholesaling into retail or, you know, B2B to C through uh, through physical stores is its own complex beast, isn't there? There's, there's consignments and concessions and all kinds of crazy things you can yes. do to try and make it viable. I think my my dream for it and what I think will will happen is that we'll see more brands having their own stores and, The I'd like to see the rates come down low enough and the intelligent tools be provided enough to allow a small independent e-commerce seller based in Swansea, selling a million pounds a year online, be able to have their small Swansea shop where they sell direct to the public. Because if you can have a warehouse slash if you can have a shop, you can have the other one. Uh, You've got this physical location that should be available to the public. And if you've got a public-facing location that should be available online the stock that you have in there doesn't need to be earmarked it doesn't need to be ring fenced away from your online stock where you've got your own separate warehouse in an industrial estate somewhere that, that that's not an efficient way to use your inventory so i think that's going to be what we see is that and, and those things are available today right to, to, yeah to, to there's some selling 50 grand a year online you, you can get a tool that would allow you to sell from from a physical store. it is it is i
0: mean from experience it is very time consuming to run a website. It's time, the, the 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 ordering, the the descriptions, the m- maintenance of the listings is very time consuming. I can see why people don't do it, because yeah. it you know it's not and the, the costs as well. I mean, you still have to pay rates, you still have to pay all these things and and yeah. returns etc. Yes. <laughs> it's lovely. So, what do you think is going to happen with Amazon? I mean, I you know, do you think that they are going to get kiboshed by, you know, is, is regulation going to catch up with them?
1: It is yeah, it is interesting, isn't it? It does seem like they're get into a size where splitting them up into other little Amazons makes uh, makes a little bit of sense. But I, I think what the pandemic has really shown is how far ahead they really were in terms of um yeah. and their operations and what they what they know they're good at. Um and the way their fulfillment network is building in the UK as Amazon shipping and stuff starts to, to really gather steam uh it is i mean they they are amazing
0: i mean that that is undeniable i think that they are um they get there by dumping on their third party sellers don't get me started (laughs) um i wonder how long they're going to be able to do that for i mean i i think
1: yeah and yeah and, and you know they i think they make no bones about it when they when they say they put the customer first they're not saying we put our merchants first. They're not saying we put our employees first. They're saying we put our customers first and we do whatever it is to get the most value to our end customer. Yeah. And I think that that's proven to be a, you know, working on. And the, as I said about the pandemic being a catalyst, it's been the same for Amazon. They've just grown from strength. To strength. It's amazing.
0: They can grow so much, with such a big company that's growing so much, but yes. I see what, they're basically a monopoly and monopolies over time offer a worse service. That's mm. just what happens to to uh, monopolies. And I think that's, um, you know, you've seen it, for example, something like Microsoft, you know, when they actually started having, um, you know, when there's some company, you know, because, you know, XP was dreadful and Windows Vista was dreadful. And now I'm sitting here using Windows 10 and it's actually pretty good. Yeah. And the reason yeah. for that is they actually had some competition. They actually had to start trying harder. Yeah. And yeah. I think with Amazon, they will, and that's what monopolies do, that's,
1: yeah, I think Shopify claim to be arming the rebels, and I think they're doing a pretty good job. Uh, and there is definitely competition there for Amazon. I think my big worry, if if I were a senior leader at Amazon, my big worry would be temptation uh, that they do so much now. They're not just a, a marketplace. They're not just yeah. a first party. Their Amazon web services is like the biggest thing in what they do. And like they've got all these different branches, and they own all these different companies and subsidiaries, and there's so much underneath them. That there's always temptation to, to go a step too far, or to do something that's outside of your core competencies, or to do something that you're not actually good at. And well, like physical retail, they've got physical retail now—the Amazon Go stores where you just walk in, you pick something up, and you leave, and you don't have to ever talk to a cashier because why would we need human interaction? And like that—that that's a temptation, isn't it? They try to roll out a million of those stores worldwide. They do. They generally
0: generally. uh, the thing which I think is most impressive about Amazon is they come up with an idea, they trial it, they productize it, they do their own thing. So they, 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 they have their own fulfillment houses, they get it working, they then productize it and they sell it to everyone else. And you see that again and again and again, you know, they, they build a website, they productize it, they sell it as a third party platform. Mm-hmm. And you know, like Amazon shipping, you can now as a retailer use Amazon shipping to deliver your own things. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, you get some random guy in a white van turn up and pick up your stuff and it's a bit concerning but you know they productize the the process of of um of delivery and i'm sure that you know it's it's a massive threat to the likes of dpd and in fact you see the quality of dpd service going down because the the price pressure to to try and compete with people like amazon Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's it's the the shipping offering is really interesting how disruptive it is and and how it affects how it impacts the relationships they have because the fba warehouses and the amazon warehouse network that they've got they can't afford to have that disrupted by uh deterioration of their partnership with whoever it is ups dhl whoever's delivering their parcels they can't afford to to let that crumble but they at the same time want to be competitive to them in but, uh, the, but the thing
0: i think which is in a way most impressive about amazon is they they let they, they they're not afraid to kill the golden goose so, you know, with, like Tesco's Tesco launched a marketplace a few years ago and it failed, in my opinion, fundamentally because they didn't let third party sellers compete against Tesco's. You could only list new products. You couldn't list Tesco products and they made it very difficult to onboard. Whereas Amazon is like, you know, anyone, you can, you can argue about whether it's a level playing field or not, but they certainly let you compete against Amazon, which is very, very simple, but very far-sighted. Mm. Because, and it actually, that's why they've got a marketplace that works and Tesco doesn't have one and Sainsbury's doesn't have one, et cetera, et cetera, Mm -hmm. because they weren't afraid to let people compete on, on a roughly level playing field.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think the, the other element of what makes them so strong is the startup culture that still exists, you know, at a, at a multi-billion pound market cap, whatever it is, trillion, they there's still a startup culture there they still it's uh, amazon shipping for example is treated like a startup within a within a company yeah. it's its own little unit its own little business with its own little kind of uh, quasi ceo at the top making all the ceo decisions for amazon shipping as its own little unit within the beast of amazon uh, able to operate autonomously uh, you know completely separate from that independent central control they're able to make their own decisions and behave mm-hmm. like a startup would and and do the startup things that get a business off the ground I think that's that's what I found most imp- I was able to visit the Amazon HQ in London uh, we had an event with Amazon shipping uh, about a year just before back in the back in the real world back in the days when we could do things yeah where you could meet people face to face and it, it was impressive Like going into this huge building with the, the security out the front who don't know any of the employees because there's so many thousands of them there that <laughs> they, they don't know anyone who works there, so everyone has to have their own security badge and stuff. But Amazon Shipping had their own little corner of it and their own little hundred employees, hundred fifty employees, whatever it was at the time. And uh, and I think that's going to be what allows them to stay on top is that they don't need to be broken up because they've already divided themselves up nicely. Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: So look, I think we 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 we're, 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 we have been touching on this, but your predictions for e-commerce over the next few years mm-hmm. have you got any which we haven't we haven't who do you think is gonna be big? Do you think anyone's
1: gonna take on Amazon? I'm not sure. I think in areas of it for sure, like Amazon Luxury, that that the new kind of like luxury platform and thing that they're trying to do, obviously they're gonna have a wealth of competition for that. And then I think we are gonna see more consolidation at the top. You know, you have seen huge groups like Boohoo coming along and buying up massive brands and getting all the customer data they could possibly ever want to get their hands on and being able to make all kinds of crazy decisions off the back of it. Uh so i think we'll definitely see more big things at the top but you know shopify clearly isn't going anywhere and their competitors like big commerce really not going anywhere so i think we're going to see more and more independent people getting online mm-hmm. and it, and it being harder it being harder to do that in a viable way it'll get easier and easier to start selling and it'll become harder and harder to do it in a viable to, to make any yeah, money yeah to get enough people's attention That's that's what we've been competing for, isn't it, for however many decades that marketing has really been around is trying to get people's attention and holding it. And that's going to just become harder and harder as the space gets more and more crowded. But yeah, I'd like to think omnichannel is going to be a big part of it. I think shipping from store and that kind of thing, having the physical store as a brand, not as a a retailer selling other people's products, having your own physical brand D2C store. I think D2C is going to be the way forward. We don't need these lengthy supply chains that, you know 30 40 years ago would have been really really popular you don't need to have you know 10 steps along the journey of getting a product from manufactured to the customer d 2 is just going to get bigger and bigger in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. okay well anyway final question then what has inspired you recently
1: what's inspired me yeah i, th- I think people's resilience you know i, th- I think it, it constantly inspires me you see these like um i love those, those sas programs you get on like channel four and like chucking normal people into an sas selection and see how they crumble i love watching
0: uh, that. so like you like watching you like watching um uh, i'm a celebrity get me out of here and it inspires you to see people <laughs> eating bugs and things like that is that is that is that what you're saying
1: yeah i, I probably would avoid avoid i like normal people i'm watching normal people crumble not uh not celebrities. <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> i'm not
1: sure i'm not sure if i like
0: I'm not sure but yeah. I'm not sure if I like that. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> like
0: normal people getting 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 abused is what is what yeah. you're saying.
1: I, li- I like seeing people push themselves and I think that's what the pandemic has really has really done is it's it's put us all outside of our comfort zone and it's shown I, I think where we all thought our limitations were, we've been able to, we've been able to push past it. We've been able to deal with very uncomfortable conditions and still been able to, to keep going, keep things going. Businesses like Amazon still grow people still buy their things they still live they still share nice moments and things online I think that's been what's inspired me is that I didn't think this lockdown would be as I'd be as able to deal with it as we have been you know but mm-hmm. we just kind of got on with it I, I didn't think I didn't think we'd
0: on. been able to do a year of basically lockdown I thought we'd manage a few weeks and then everyone would give up yeah people would ask just, me
1: yeah uh people would just go back to it, would just choose to go back to doing it again. So I I find that inspiring. Uh how much people have been able to kind of band together a bit and um put the greater good ahead of their own personal okay. uh, desire, I suppose. Okay. Well about
0: See, that what about myself? What's inspired yeah. me recently? Do you know what? I've watched um Ted Lasso on 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 Apple Plus, okay, which is a corny TV program about a, a US football, like American football coach, he comes over to the UK, fish out of water kind of thing. And he, he manages a football team. Okay. But it's all about, he's the most positive character and he believes the best in everyone. And he's just all about, you know, getting people to believe in themselves. And I was completely, I, it, I started off thinking it was really corny. And then I was totally overwhelmed by its optimism. Mm. You know, it was the most inspiring thing I've pretty much ever watched. And it cheered me up more than anything since Groundhog Day. And, and I don't know, I was, I can only, I, it was, I'd recommend to watching it. So Yeah. In and, fact, and I've got a, a thing on my wall saying, be like Ted. We all need to be more like Ted. <laughs>
1: that's amazing. Yeah. And what's fantastic is you get to live Groundhog Day every day now as well. You get to. <laughs> yeah, <that's>, <laughs> it's <laughs> true.
0: <laughs> Stephen, let's wrap it up. It's been great talking to you. Let's do this again in, in a few months time. We'll find out how you've been getting on. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Okay. For Thanks for watching. Cheers. Bye-bye.